0: This podcast is brought to you by EverythingVoluntary.com. The Voluntary Principle states that all human relations should happen by mutual consent or not at all. This podcast aims to promote respect for the Voluntary Principle in all walks of life and for all age groups. My name is Skylar Collins, and this is Everything Voluntary. Liberty Classroom is the premier online university for libertarian and free market thought. Take courses from your computer or while driving in your car. To sign up for Liberty Classroom, please use our special link at libertyclassroom.info. That's libertyclassroom.info. Before we start the episode, I want to invite you to join me as a featured guest. I'd love to chat and get to know you and give you this platform to bounce your ideas around. To schedule, go to the main website at everythingvoluntary.com. On the right-hand side, there's a link to schedule with me immediately. Click that link, select a day and time, answer the questions, and submit. That's all it takes. Thank you so much. Well, Alex, it's nice to meet you. Um, you as well, man. We've had a little bit of an association here for, has it been over a year? I think you've been syndicating some of ammo.com's articles at the website under the name Brian Miller. Is that a person or is that a pseudonym?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a person. That's the co-founder of the website. Okay. Uh, and he's also the publisher. So although he might not necessarily be the one writing all of the content, Sam Jacobs writes most of it. Um, Brian actually publishes it on site. So we use his name.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting. Every time I see one of those, it's always interesting to dig into it. It's usually really well written and well researched. Um, and you've got uh, an interesting library there at Ammo.com. So you do work with them. What do, what do you do with them?
1: So I'm the marketing director for them. Um, I started with them about, oh gosh, about... Five or six years ago now and started out small. I was just helping grow like social media accounts, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Um, and then that kind of just like progressed, progressed, progressed. I graduated from college a little over two years ago. And then about six months ago, I got the official
0: role of uh, marketing director. So
1: that's what I do with them.
0: <laughs> and um so besides their library, they also they sell ammunition, right? I mean, that's kind of the yeah. purpose.
1: yep yep that's the the, that's the main business model selling ammunition we just like um i don't know if you've been to the about page or anything but the whole like kind of mo is arming our customers physically and philosophically and so like anybody can sell ammo um but what we found is like there's just a lot of people who miss the philosophical under things that we'd like to kind of expand on and you know we have a fairly big audience because we sell ammunition and you know Rick, we also want to teach people about some of our physical, uh, philosophical beliefs.
0: Yeah. So. And it seems like you're you're pretty. Um, I, I'm not going to say mainstream libertarian, but but more my kind of libertarian, voluntarist, you know, mm-hmm. anarcho-capitalist type. Is that true for everybody there, or there's some people that are kind of not quite that far?
1: Um, I'd say it like like I think Sam. Is a little bit more conservative in some regard, but uh, it it varies across all the team members. Um, like me, I would I would identify most closely with anarcho-capitalist. Um, I think Brian Miller would as well. And so you know, there's a lot of like you know, these very minute details that we might disagree on, and you can get very in depth and in the weeds with this stuff, as you know. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, um, it's just like liberty and freedom are important, and they're in jeopardy. And so it's like, I don't necessarily care too much about where you fall on the spectrum so long as you believe that. Yeah,
0: Um, yeah. Well, let's back up. Tell me about yourself. Where are you from?
1: uh, I'm from Springfield, Missouri. Born and raised there, and then I went to college at the University of Missouri. And funny enough, uh, so I got a degree in business and economics. Funny enough, uh, I didn't realize this at the time, but there was a big Wall Street Banker, I don't remember his name. You can Google this, but when he passed away, he went to Mizzou and he dedicated a, a certain amount of funds. And it was like, you have to use this money to hire Austrian economists for your economics department. And so while I was in school and I was studying economics, I had no idea what Austrian economics was, but I was just learning it in the classroom. And I was like, this clicks, this makes sense. And then eventually, like, I started working for analytical.com while I was in college. I started reading a lot of besides your website, you know, and I was like, Holy crap. It's Austrian economics that I know, not Keynesian or, you know, anything along those lines. Like this is what I agree with and understand.
0: So Yeah, that's that's probably pretty rare that there was such a such a focus on that at I mean, is that a state university no less?
1: Yeah, yeah, University of Missouri. Wow. Big state school. <laughs> and um it's funny, there's a lawsuit. I don't know where it stands right now, but Basically, I guess whoever was in charge of those funds at Mizzou, there's been, there's a lawsuit going on right now to where this college in Illinois is like, Mizzou didn't use all of those funds to hire strictly Austrian economists. Like they use those funds to hire other types of economists as well. And so this, I believe the colleges in Illinois is like, we deserve those funds. We want them because we've used them to only hire Austrian economists. So, uh, that's hmm. interesting. Well, but. And, and I can attest to that because, like, my money and banking um, professor uh, he praised Ben Bernanke and Quantitative Easing <laughs> and, when and we were MMT about-
0: now probably.
1: Yep, exactly. So into like because the money and banking course like primarily focused on the 2008 financial crisis, and so that's just like he praised them um, <laughs> the entire time. So I can see. I'm I'm curious to know what happens with that I And mean, I actually look it up and see what's been going on. But I think with COVID I and mean, think they've probably got different priorities now.
0: Yeah, probably back burner. Wow. Um. So where? So you're not in Missouri anymore, or where are you at now?
1: No, I'm in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, oh, Knoxville. Moment. Yeah. Yeah. Where uh, are you at?
0: I'm in Salt Lake City. The reason I say oh yeah, Knoxville yeah. is I mean don't you guys have a libertarian mayor? At least a county mayor?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't live here. I just moved here in March um, during, like, basically when shutdowns were happening. I typically, like, I moved out of the country four days after graduation to do the whole, like, digital nomad thing, quote-unquote. So I instantly moved to Southeast Asia um, because all the work I do for Amazon.com, and I mentioned to you online as well, Libertas Bella, it's all online. So as long as I have internet connection, I'm good to do what I want. And so, uh, I haven't lived in the States in a little bit over two years. And most recently I was in Sao Paulo, Brazil, COVID hit. I have quite a few friends here. Uh, Brian Miller lives here as well. And so I was like, I don't like, I don't have anything in the States cause I haven't lived there. And I was like, if I go back to Missouri, I'm going to be 25 living in my parents' basement. I was like, I don't necessarily want to do that. Um, and also, a lot of my friends weren't in Springfield anymore. It was kind of pointless. So I reached out to some of my friends here in Tennessee. And I've been here for about, you yeah, know, since the end of March. So I don't know what that is, seven months. So
0: I want to talk about some of your uh, foreign experience. But before that, how um, how's the mayor, uh, Glenn Jacobs, I think his name is, how's he done? How's his popularity?
1: Uh, I have no idea. But I will say, uh, just because I haven't really been involved uh, um, since I've been here, Just because I've only been here for eight months, I don't have residency here. I can't feel anything along those lines. Um, So I I can't talk about that. But I will say it was pretty interesting that I went – Joe Jorgensen did a rally here about a month ago. It was her last stop on her trip. And I went to it. I mean, it was kind of sad and disappointing. There was maybe 200 people here. But he wasn't even there. He didn't even show up. And I was like, what the heck? You would think he'd at least take the time out of his day to go – I'll support the libertarian presidential candidate, but
0: there's a way it is. Do, do you uh, know, and you may not know, did he run as a libertarian party or did he run as an independent?
1: I think he ran as or uh, libertarian. Hmm. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure. I mean, that was years ago right, right, right? when I when I wasn't here. I re, the only reason I remember seeing him in the news is, one, because I read the libertarian websites, but I saw him in mainstream media simply because they were like, oh, the former professional wrestler Kane. <laughs> um so that's why he hit mainstream media. Nobody actually
0: cared that he was a libertarian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um okay so after you graduated college you said you became a digital nomad and you've lived in five different countries in two years. What are those countries and I don't know what you like best about each of them.
1: Um so yeah the first one was Bali Indonesia. Um, after that, like while I was in Bali, I went to Malaysia and Bangkok. Then after that, I went to Colombia, Medellin, Colombia in South America. Then I went to Portugal and, uh, with, I lived in Lisbon, Portugal. And then I also was in Las Palmas, Spain. I didn't, I will not say I lived there. I was only there for a couple of weeks and it's very much like a beach town, not really Like, it's a vacation spot. It was like, I can't live here. This doesn't make any sense. So I moved to Lisbon with a bunch of my friends, went back to Bali, um, and then Brazil, Sao Paulo, Brazil, for about three months. But then COVID hit, and I had to leave. What I liked about each of them, Bali, Indonesia, I think, like, specifically talking about Bali, there's a lot of, like, kind of laws on the books, or lack of laws on the books, which I like. It's kind of like, You know, you go to a resort or you go to a massage parlor and, you know, there's no like warning signs. There's nothing. It's kind of like if you fall and get hurt down these slippery rocks through the pool, it's like it's on you. You can't come around and sue us, like be responsible, take care of yourself. And that's very consistent throughout the entire island. It's kind of like take personal responsibility. There's not a lot of laws on the books. There's not a ton of cops running around. Um and so there's a certain chaos element to it that I loved and really resonated with me. The I mean the bad part is the government is just so corrupt in Indonesia. It's one of the most corrupt governments. But in Bali they're not they kinda let them do their own thing in Bali because the rest of Indonesia is Muslim and then all of Bali is Hindu. And it's kinda just like this touristy islands, do your own thing. Um and again, there's not a
0: ton of laws on the books, so it's very
1: I don't know there's a sort of chaos to it. Um mm-hmm.
0: I uh let me let me interject here for a second. I know man it's been a few years since I've talked to him, but I know a guy who he's uh he's an unschooling dad and he's a software programmer and he developed some music teacher software that you know kind of has has done pretty well for him and he basically took his family and they've lived all over the world and one of the places they lived is Bali and they uh I guess they because they're not citizens, they're not able to purchase property. So they leased this really nice villa and then they totally remodeled it. And they'd had been, I don't know how they're, I don't know how they're doing these days, but they'd been renting it out for a significant amount of money on Airbnb. So they'd live there for a month and then they'd, they'd go to other places for five months and then they'd come back for a month and then leave for five months. And they'd live at different, different places all over Asia and Europe and the U S and You know, with I think he's got, I think he's got three kids. Anyway, so that I don't know. He was just kind of telling me about how all that worked and how he wasn't able to actually purchase it. He just had to do sign like a thirty year lease or something on it. Uh,
1: Oh yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's ridiculously long. I think you, I think you can do like a hundred years. It's like their workaround of not being able to own property. (laughs) Yeah, it's like I'll just buy this hundred year lease. Um. So yeah, you can't do that. There's also a really cool school there um, called. It's called the Green School. Um, I think if you just Google like Bali Green School, it'll be the first to pop up. But um, I really liked it. It's the second largest bamboo structure in the world. And it's really cool. Like if you go and visit it, I don't have kids. So, you know, I'd, I'd never like I would have a firsthand look at their curriculum. But I did have dinner one time with a guy whose kids went there. And it was fascinating because a lot of what they teach, it's like, cool, you're going to teach like, you're going to learn about architecture, you're going to read it in a book, and now we're going to go build something and, like, actually app- apply those principles. And so it's one of those things where I heard about the school and I was like, if I were to have kids, I would definitely, like, look at schools like this, kind of these yeah. untraditional schools um, that I would, like, really look into. And there's... Like, I think it would be fascinating as well, because if you're a parent, like, they have a very solid kind of like community amongst the parents, because it's like, if you're a parent and you brought your kids to Bali to this school, like, you obviously have some sort of like philosophical underpinning that's like, um, you know, the regular education system is a right or what I want my kids to experience. So I'm willing to move to this country or move to this island, um, in Indonesia. Um, so my kids can have a better, education.
0: Well, I was going to say, I mean, people that do that are already part of like the expat community, I guess, yeah. to some degree. Yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. And so you're probably also like living or like, you know, maybe you're working in like non-traditional means, right? You're not working in corporate. You're not, a, you know, a nine to five. And so I think they have a solid community and the guy had nothing but high praises. I can't. I mean, I just had one dinner with the guy. Um, so I can't necessarily talk too deeply about it, but um, I think it would be fascinating to explore something like that because I know you're huge into unschooling, right?
0: Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know, huge, huge. I don't know what that means. I'm not really involved like in the Facebook groups and stuff like that. Like I used to be just cause I'm not really on Facebook, but <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just, just being a dad now. Yeah.
1: And uh, so, I mean like, what have you just to ask you about it? Have you found any schools that you would send your kids to?
0: Yeah, there's um there's a type of school called uh Sudbury schooling. Uh the reason it's called Sudbury schooling is because the original school was in the Sudbury Valley in Massachusetts, I believe, and yeah. it was like this big mansion like with a lot of acreage and it was built out by some guy I don't I don't remember his name. It was actually built off an earlier model that came from England called Somerville schooling. So I guess at the time yeah he he probably called it Somerville schooling, but it was in Sudbury Valley. And the whole idea of the school, and, and this, this school is chronicled in, I don't know if you're familiar with Peter Gray. He's an evolutionary psychologist and a, a research professor at Boston College. He may be retired now. He's, he's getting up there in age, but he does a lot of research on um, self-directed education and unschooling and um, incorporates a lot of a lot of the research that's been done into hunter gatherers and how kids were raised through our evolution um, into that research and his kid actually went to the school. So in his book, Free to Learn, um, which is all about how play, the concept of play should be central to our kids education um, in the first. Um, a lot of that is is some of his research through his son in this Sudbury Valley School. And ever since then, I think that was established maybe in the 40s or 50s or maybe, maybe later 60s or 70s. I'm not sure. But there's been a lot of schools that use that same model, which I'll describe in a second. I haven't really told you that bit yet. All over the country. So whenever you're, you're in a place like in Salt Lake, I can say Sudbury School, Salt Lake, and there's two of them. There's one in the Salt Lake Valley and there's one in the Southern Utah Valley. So they're, they're not everywhere. And you know, being private schools, there's a course of course a tuition, and so not every, you know, it's kind of like you know, five or six hundred bucks a month per kid, that kind of thing. Just because you know, it's hard to run that kind of stuff. Yeah. Anyway, but the model is basically self-directed education. Each kid, the 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 faculty, they're not teachers. They're I guess what they would call facilitators, and they pretty much have you know, computers and art rooms and music rooms and whatever they want, and maybe they do have classes you can sign up for on different, you know, particular topics, but it's all pretty much run by, run by the kids. I think they even have, um, like a, like a, a student-based government structure where facilitators can be, can be fired if, you know, not enough students like them, they can vote them out, that sort of (laughs) thing. So they're also, um, some people call them democratic (laughs) schools or free schools are some other Mm -hmm. names I've heard for this type of thing, but it's, it's really kind of, unschooling, which is, you know, child led, passion led, interest led, you know, it's really just how we are as adults. It's really just life. It's just life yeah. learning. It's you do whatever you want to do. And if you need help, your parents help you with it. Yeah, You know, they just, they're just, they're there. They're a resource, they're a mentor. Um, but otherwise I just try to make everything I can available to my kids and whatever they want to do. I just help them do it safely. Um, you know, and they, they get good at different things and Whatever. So the Sudbury model is kind of an unschooling philosophy, but but in a place. So if you were a parent, maybe you're a single parent, or maybe you both need to work. You both wanna work. You don't wanna you know, neither neither one of you wanna be the domestic type. Yeah. But you also don't want to put your kid in, in, you know, schools with rewards and punishments and homeworks and all of the all of the nonsense that goes on there, then you could look in you could look for a Sudbury school or a democratic school or there's even something that's kind of close to that called open classroom. And there is one there is one of those here I've seen as I'm driving around. There's something called the Salt Lake Open Classroom. And I think that's kind of in that direction, maybe not fully the Sudbury model, but anyway, so that's 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 what it's called. And uh that's yeah. that's the kind of thing. There's no um I don't know about the open classroom, but as far as the Sudbury model and the democratic school democratic free schools, there's no kind of curriculum or anything like that. They just it's really just, you know, we've got resources here and you can come and do whatever you want to do and we'll help you do it. And kids have different interests. My kids are always getting into different things. And, um, you know, they'll, if if, it's, if they need something that's sort of like based on an interest, then I'll, I'll provide it. I'll make sure they have the resource. Yeah. If it's more like my daughter – like she's asking me to get her some some makeup and stuff. I'm like, no, you got to buy that. <laughs> I'm not buying that. But if you want you know what you want art yeah. supplies. I'll get you that. But as far as like makeup and stuff or 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 hair dye that kind of stuff. Sorry, you got to do that. And, and we we set it up to where my my kids have like uh, um you're familiar with like gig work and stuff, right? Where you just like agree yeah. to the job, do it, and get paid. So we got like all the chores in the house. We don't make them do anything except for a couple minor things like take out the trash. And so there's a there's a number of things like laundry, dishes, lawn mowing that we set up as gigs. And if they want to do it to earn some money, they do it. And then, you know, otherwise they don't don't have to do it. So we we have stuff like that. Um, I don't know. You just you just try to stay away from coercion and punishments and even rewards. And you just try to. I don't know. You, you just, this idea that you're not raising kids, you're raising adults is something I've talked about. so you just, you just treat them like little adults, you know, they're just, they're just dumb little adults that don't know anything and eventually they will. And so you just help them grow up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It sounds to me like that would like not enforce, but just like require someone to learn personal responsibility at such a younger age, which I think would be a phenomenal attribute to have. Um, and when you're making they're making the decisions themselves as opposed to like being told what to do and then they can bear the consequences or reap the rewards based off the decisions that they make
0: yeah so so my oldest just turned 15 and so I've started doing um driving lessons with him where I'll put him behind the wheel we started in a parking lot and he kind of drove around you know less than 10 miles an hour and did that for about 20 minutes and he's had previous experience with golf carts and with ATVs and stuff so but uh, you know and then we went to like driving around the neighborhood and you know we just take it just you know whatever he's comfortable with um, so that's fun and and it's kind of cool because he's got in order to get his learner's permit he's got to I guess he's got to pass a test and there's an app that a friend of ours a friend of his told him about that he can he can take he can basically do practice questions through this app for Utah for the Utah rules Yeah. And it was like 10 bucks. I just bought the full app for him. And it's got like 500 questions. So I'm like, okay, get through all this. (laughs) You know, if you get the wrong answer, it tells you what the right answer is. I'm like, so just get through all this, maybe do it twice as I'm, as I'm, you know, as we're driving around and you're getting that experience and then we'll go get your learner's permit. And, you know, you just stuff's going to come up in life and you just, you just help them navigate through it. You know, it's, it's not, it's not a difficult thing. And as long as you're not you know you're not a lazy asshole parent, <laughs> yeah, you know then yeah. then it's it's not it's not difficult, so that's cool,
1: yeah, it's something I mean whenever that time comes for me, that's something I'll definitely I'll probably turn to your site a lot <laughs> to learn more about it. I mean, I already did a Google search here for the it looks like open classroom. I see Salt Lake City already popping up here, but then there's just the open classroom concept,
0: yeah, so that's um, its own concept and so if you you know whatever city you're in, you could search. You know, Knoxville open classroom, maybe you'll find some stuff. You could search Knoxville, Sudbury School, maybe you'll find some stuff, or Democratic Free School. There's a few different things and they're all kind of on that same idea. Um but yeah. Yeah, and
1: Sub yeah, Sudbury. I see it here. And what what, what did you say that book was, uh Free to so, Learn.
0: So yeah, so it's Free to Learn by Peter Gray, G R A Y. Yeah, I, I definitely recommend it because the first the first half of the book is all about hunter gatherers and how they raise their kids, which is amazing um and then the second half is all about you know his research into the Sudbury school that his son attended so it's it's an absolutely fantastic book and then if there's some great books out there I can recommend more focused on unschooling and and what it's all about but the Peter Gray book is much more academic and I mean, it's written for a lay audience, so it's not like full of jargon or anything like that. But he is an academic, and he's also a, yeah. a father of at least one kid that went to the Sudbury school. So.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll definitely look
0: into that. Thanks for uh, having Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, so after Bali, you went to Colombia?
1: I did, yeah. Medellin, Colombia. Um, that, I mean, what I loved about that, um, I I just met, there's a ton of crypto people there. A ton of crypto people there. Um, so that was super cool. Um, I was like, I really want to learn Spanish. And so like being there helped me with that a lot, especially in Medellin. They don't really speak English too well. Um, in certain parts of it, like, you know, the more fluent areas, they do know, do know English a little bit better. But for the most part, it's primarily just all Spanish. Um, there was a lot of crypto guys. So it's, it's like I was able to connect with other expats. Um, or again, quote unquote, uh, digital nomads who kind of, uh, just had the same philosophical beliefs as me, especially, you know, if they're investing in crypto and they're holders, um, or hodlers, um, they, like, obviously they, they understand why crypto could be so important and revolutionary. So I just met, I wouldn't say like the necessarily I had like a ton of fun inside of medellin i would say i made some awesome connections um and the one of the reasons i left there was because a bunch of the friends i made they were packing their bags and going to portugal lisbon and so i wanted to follow them and just stay with the with the people i met because it's not easy meeting friends as well uh (laughs) when you're traveling solo so uh um, well,
0: let me let me add that it's not easy being friends when you're a dad. <laughs> <laughs> you'll you'll lose a lot of that sort of thing, especially when you have younger kids. I mean, the kids are getting older now, so I'm starting to <laughs> I'm starting to try to like reconnect and and whatnot. You have but. more
1: free time
0: now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, okay, so I mean, you went over to Portugal. Um The interesting yeah. thing I know about Portugal is that they decriminalized drugs back in 2001, and that's I guess been a pretty successful. I think so much that. Oregon just followed that model and decriminalized everything too. So do you know yeah, anything about yeah, that there? I, uh
1: yeah, I think the only annoying thing about that is when you're a tourist, I get asked every street corner if I want <laughs> weed, crack, heroin, whatever. <laughs> so you get you get asked that a lot, especially when you're like you're downtown in the tourist area. Um and you're just a you know, mid twenties to thirty year old guy who's obviously a
0: tourist you're going to get asked so <laughs> like, so well, have you done. have you ever been to Las Vegas? Oh yeah. You know you're oh, walking yeah. around Las Vegas on the strip and you constantly have people with their little their little Courses. pads of porn and they're flipping <laughs> and they're trying to get you to take yeah. it so it's kind of like that it sounds like
1: Yeah yeah it really <laughs> is it's not as aggressive as Vegas I will say that's aggressive though. okay. But they're just like slapping them together and they're yeah. like come on. <laughs> look it. at me look at uh, me. Um but yeah I would just get asked all the time. It was like she's coke marijuana Like constantly, I'd be like, guys, you see me every day walking the street. We see, you know who I am.
0: I'll come to to you. (laughs) You don't need to keep asking me.
1: I was like, I'm going to the office, man. Can't just please just let me work. Um, but I think it has been a big success. And I think, um, I can certainly say that, um, the homeless population or the drug use that I saw was minimal compared to where I've seen, like even just looking back at downtown. Um, I didn't see a lot of people like tweaking out and on drugs um maybe dying on the streets direct... exactly yeah I didn't see a ton of homeless people there hardly any at all actually so, it was just a very welcoming city I really did like Portugal beautiful weather um I'm curious to see what will happen in Oregon because that just passed is it just in Portland or is it all in
0: my understanding in Portland, is yeah Portland? it was a, it was a statewide proposition and it was voted for so really it's not i don't know how close it is to the portugal model and it's not like people can start setting up shops or anything like that it's just if you're caught with it you're not arrested and taken a jail and given a felony it's more we're going to take you to a clinic and help you get cleaned up yeah. you know so it's decrim criminalization not full-blown legalization at least not yet so i don't That'll be interesting to see if that ever happens with like heroin and cocaine. I I can see it happening with the psychedelics as it's happened like in Denver and other places. Um, I think D.C. and some other places. And and that might just be decriminalization. But I can see it full legalization happening for psychedelics just as it has for marijuana. I can see that. But as far as like crack and cocaine and heroin and the stuff that really doesn't do anybody any good, I can see decriminalization. I can't see like. Let's go into the marijuana- or the heroin store and buy heroin, but you yeah, know, who knows?
1: yeah, I think I'm a hundred percent with you there i I could see it happening um, it's yeah, I mean it would take a long time until a a state like Alabama decides to do that <laughs> or or somewhere in the south but uh um, well right right I, here
0: in utah i mean we had we had a medical marijuana bill, the legislature so i I have a good friend of mine who um he founded and he runs this libertarian think call, think tank called Libertas Institute, and they're cool. involved in Utah politics here, and they try to you know write legislation and, and lobby and sway for libertarian based legislation. They've had a lot of success on on different things, but they were they were one of the the one of the drivers behind this um, medical marijuana. And you know he's a, he's an anarcho capitalist, hardcore libertarian. He he hides a lot of that. His rhetoric is is mostly mainstream libertarian, obviously. He's Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, stay friendly with legislators and stuff. So he doesn't get too radical. But so they were one of the the pushers for this medical marijuana. And they went to the legislature like two or three years in a row and never got anywhere. So then they said, okay, well, we're going to do a ballot or we're going to do a a ballot thing and we're going to take it to the people. So that that passed. And even though that passed, I guess the legislature is still able to vote to remove it based on their own rules and so they immediately yeah. removed it and then replaced it with their own version and the interesting thing about that is there was there was there was no hiding the fact that the mormon church was involved at that table creating that new legislation they've they've been this opposition here for the for the ballot version and then they and they didn't sign on to that and now they've they, they did not hide the fact that they were sitting at the table with legislators writing, pretty much writing the new legislation that they replaced it with, which is interesting to say the least when you have a church yeah. sitting down with the state writing legislation. Um, so anyway, so that that passed a couple of years ago and it was it was fairly limited at first to like people who were having seizures and stuff like that. Like, I don't know if it's been expanded yet to, you know, cancer and that kind of stuff. But technically, we have medical marijuana here. As far as recreational, I mean, the state the state controls um, all the liquor stores. It's pretty much communist communist liquor stores. They're all state owned here, you yeah, know, okay. with the Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control. There are no yeah. private liquor stores like you see everywhere else. And so, I don't that's know. That's fine. that's been something that they've held on to very tightly. It, still, you know, you know how 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 long after prohibition is it? Almost a hundred years now. So. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. Met- recreational is interesting. We do have Nevada is now, um, and Arizona is now recreational and Colorado's recreational. So like all the States around Utah. So it's, yeah. it's really easy to get it. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you could, you know, I know several people that I could get it from anytime I wanted, as well as yeah. anything else I wanted. Psychedelics, that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah it's not, hey, it's not difficult.
1: Is that primarily because of the church, like being so closely involved with the government?
0: Yeah. Wanted. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's definitely because of that. I mean, most legislatures, legislators are, you know, full card carrying members of the church and they don't want to, they don't want to piss off the church or anything like that. So that it's it's been a symbiotic relationship for a very long time. Now, I don't know if you know Utah history, but Utah started because the early church was persecuted out in Missouri, <laughs> believe it or not, Missouri yeah. area. They moved to Illinois, Nauvoo, Illinois, Joseph Smith was killed. His brother was killed. Brigham Young, you know, put everyone together and said, okay, we're moving west. We're leaving the U.S. We're seceding, you know, through exit over here to what was Mexico, right? Came to the great Salt Lake area, set up their state of Deseret. You know, he he kind of ruled it as a as a prophet. He ruled the church, but also as the first governor. So it was a bit of a theocracy, I guess you could say. Okay. But, it was, you know, everybody had buy-in get, other than the kids. You know, the kids don't have buy-in anywhere. Yeah. Um And you know, to whatever extent you want to believe that women who are in polygamous marriages are are free or not i th- I think they were there 's a lot of really interesting things you can read about about uh Mormon women and their experience with polygamy and, and how how beneficial it actually was in many different ways it's that 's interesting i can I can send you some on that, but hmm. um anyway, so eventually you know they were practicing polygamy, and the rest of the u s was moving west and it was starting to hit the the Mormon borders. And the persecution began again because of the practice of polygamy and, you know, Mormon leaders had like fled and lived in like Mexico and stuff. And there's actually city Mormon based cities in Mexico to this day that came out from that. Um, anyway, it's interesting. But really, yeah, if you look up um, Colonia Juarez is one of them, not see that Juarez where all the drug violence is, but Colonia Juarez is one of them.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's they it. just it's have the deep roots in up. in these Mormon, Mormon fundamentalists that had fled, you know, to to keep their their um, religious practice of polygamy intact. Anyway, but eventually the prophet said um, at the time it was Woodrow Woodrow, Woodrow Wil, no, not Woodrow Wilson, Wilford Woodruff. <laughs> I always confuse those two because it's W W. Anyway, yeah. he came out with his proclamation saying we're gonna we're gonna stop practicing polygamy because of the pressure the U.S. government was putting on him at the time. So the whole you know state of utah into the union was all just one big coercive act by by the feds really um anyway so so yeah so the church and the the state the state government here have have been in bed all this time and you know the the state's become more liberal slowly and so a lot of those people are starting to notice that sort of relationship and go after it when they can and you know do what they can but you know the the conservative mormon side most of them don't don't care because, you know, they're part of the church and they're conservative and they, you know, for for the most part, their agendas align. So they're, it's not a big deal. But
1: yeah, yeah. I'm going to guess. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that where Utah is becoming more liberal is a city such as Salt Lake City. Yeah. The big city, like pretty much every state. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's how it is. I mean, urban areas, they definitely go liberal progressive first. Um, yeah, that's how it is everywhere an interesting phenomenon okay so so after colombia you went to portugal and then you said you went back to bali
1: yeah i went back to bali um for about three months um so i mean same thing um i i mean i somewhat got tired of bali it's pretty interesting you have a, a couple different dynamics there so like you have this city called ubud and there it's very much yoga free spirit kind of like hippie vibes and whatnot. Um
0: I think that's the city where my friend has his house is U- yeah. Ubud. Yeah. That sounds, yeah so that sounds right.
1: A lot of the times when you see those like pictures on Instagram or on Google, whatever, beautiful Bali, <clears throat> a lot of the times it's Ubud, like in the jungle and whatnot. Um And again, like kind of with Colombia at the same time, if you live there, you can meet people who like, if they're living there full time, it's like, cool, you must be like working online or doing some sort of means that's like not traditional. Um, but vast majority of people that you're going to run into are like very uh, just not in line philosophically with me because <laughs> a lot of them are there on vacation. Um, not a ton of Americans go there because it's so long. Uh, I mean, it's like a 24 hour just flight time to get to Bali. Um, if you include layovers and everything, it's probably more like 30, 30 plus. Um, so not, not, not a lot of Americans go there. That also depends on where you're coming from in America. Like that's how long it is for Missouri. If you were to come from California, um, or the East coast, New York, it's probably a little bit less time. Um, but so you run into a lot of people who are kind of just like good vibes, free, hippie, like, um, we're going to solve all the world's problems with love and happiness and not necessarily like realistic in a lot of ways, I think. And so there's a ton of people from California that go out there, people like that who are just we're super, super far left. Um And that, so like, again, I enjoy it. I got tired of it a lot because a lot of people who visit, like, like I said, majority are just kind of like passing through or they're like, I'm living off a $1,000 a month and like that gets me by in Bali. I'm happy with it, which is cool. Whatever. If that works for you, that works for you. Um, but it's just a completely different mindset where it's someone like me who it's like I'm trying to spread, you know, like some great ideas in my opinion um, and do a lot of digital marketing and get a brand name built, uh, not just for Amazon.com, but I mentioned to you via email as well, Libertas Bella um and with that comes a lot of working hours and um a lot of people there are just like no we just want to like maybe work an hour or two a day and then just go enjoy life which again cool if that works for you do it but i was just having kind of some conflicts there with getting along with people because just agendas didn't line up um neither there schedules so i left there and then went to brazil i don't know when i'll go back there namely because Indonesia has club travel till at least 2021, and with these lockdowns looking like they're about to happen again, yeah. like it might be 2022. Who the heck knows? <laughs> so I don't even know when I thought I was going to leave. I thought I was only going to be in Knoxville for a couple months, and then next thing I know, it's just like each country, <laughs> it's just lockdown, 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 lockdown. Um, and I had a buddy who just went. He went to Istanbul and Turkey. He went to. He flew to a couple countries and he was like dude the headache that was just to be able to fly out of the country and then he was like once i landed he was like nothing's open in these other countries things like it's kind of not worth it right now in a lot of ways um just because of these lockdowns with covid so i don't know brazil's pretty relaxed and open so i might go back there but um that's why i left bali it was just like I think you, that you can meet a lot of great people, but at the same time, it's like a lot of people are just there for vacation or holiday, um, and just kind of enjoying life and not necessarily working.
0: Yeah. There's, there's, there's been a lot of places with these lockdowns and the, the total hit to tourism that have just suffered big time because they depended so much on tourism.
1: I don't know how Bali's going to survive, man. I yeah. really don't. Cause I mean, probably 90% of their economy is based off tourism. Um, so I literally have no idea. But, uh, and to go on a little tangent, what's yeah. funny is about a lot of these people who come from like California and Oregon to Bali who are also super far left, it's hilarious to me that they can come back to the States and talk about like how much we need to change things. And like for, they say equal opportunity, I think it's actually equal outcome. Um, yeah. But like you're the same people who go to Bali stay at these nice resorts and villas for super cheap and if you drive 15 minutes you see these people living in shacks and you think nothing of it and like you're kind of uh what, what's the terminology for it? that they use uh cultural appropriating these like nice areas inside of bali but if you actually look at the people who live there they're living like dogs i was like they they don't have anything and yeah, you're going to come back here to the States and complain about how bad it is here. And it's like, you know, you just came from a country where they literally have nothing. And you're going to come back here and talk crap on it. I, it just, it bl- it blows my mind. It makes me so mad.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, it's like the the best thing that they could do for these people <clears throat> is to go set up businesses and exploit, exploit their cheap labor. You know, that's like the best thing you can do for them. <laughs> But they're yeah. yeah they're hippie do gooder liberals so they're not they're not gonna do that because they think that's evil. But it's like wait a minute you're giving them options. How how's that yeah. possibly evil?
1: Yeah, exactly. You're giving them jobs and then it can grow the entire economy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um okay well that that concludes your your five country tour <laughs> or four country tour I guess. Um yeah. so tell me about this other website that you're involved with. What what is the the address?
1: Uh, Libertas Bella L I B E R T A S Bella, B E L L A dot com. Um, uh, it just means beautiful liberty, right? Um, uh, in Latin, and so okay.
0: all right, I visited that. Okay, yeah, I saw that when yeah. you mentioned it. Yeah, it's got like, uh, yeah, merch and stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's primarily like apparel. Um, we're gonna throw like designs, like we have libertarian, Second Amendment. Um, obviously, we had we threw the like specifically Second Amendment just because I'm, you know, I'm work with com, and so i know that well you can get a lot
0: really of like well. conservatives and stuff with that
1: yeah yeah, yeah you yeah, can yeah, kind of like reach, reach across multiple markets with it um and then we have like historic icons which is hayek uh friedman ayn rand um people along those lines and so it's pretty much i mean again that goes that website philosophy wise is very much the like what i said earlier where people on the team kind of are across the board but it's like the main message is freedom and Liberty are all important and they're also in jeopardy. And again, I don't care if you're like conservative, I don't care like necessarily where you fall on the political spectrum. So long as you believe in freedom and Liberty. Um, and we can, you know, we can discuss and debate these minute details, but to me, it's like the primary thing is like getting that message across and getting, making sure that that's like the lead goal. um, and then we can talk about you know all those like <laughs> super detailed discussions that us libertarians like to have, um, but like they're ju- they're not a priority in the very beginning or like the main message that I guess I would say I want to drive.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, well, that's, it's like that's a- it's like what Walter Block says. He's like, we got to get rid of ninety five, which we all agree on. Every libertarian, we got to get rid of ninety five percent. Of uh, what government does today, and then we can we can argue about the last five percent.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I find like I've been to Pork Fest. Uh, I just went to the Mises Supporter Summit um, about two months ago. And... Oh, you
0: probably you, pro- you probably saw. So, my friend, I told you about Connor Boyack. He also writes this uh, um, children's series called The Tuttle Twins. Did you, oh yeah yeah yeah. Did you see? Because he was there, and I think he had yeah. books there for that
1: yeah yeah the told twins their books were there. I started following them afterward. I didn't get a chance to talk with them. He was at a table behind me okay, um, yeah. I think on Saturday, but it was pretty funny because I remember he had his laptop open, and I saw him like designing like doing some design work for the covers of the books uh, and I hadn't heard of them before, but they had a couple uh books for sale there
0: and yeah i so, yeah. I bought all of their current so they've got children's books. he's got like three or four teenager level books, and then he's got some adult stuff, and I've got a few of those. But I bought his – he's got like 11 or 12 of the the kid adventure ones. And I've, re- I've read a yeah. little more than half of them now. And they are just absolutely fantastic. Like if yeah. you want to indoctrinate your kids into free markets, you got to get these books. I mean economics, um, there's a little bit of philosophy. It's mostly markets and economics. But yeah, they're just amazing.
1: Yeah, I, I know uh... – Again, it's one of those things where I was like, this seems really cool. I'm going to read about this. Not necessarily right now because I don't even have a girlfriend or like a wife or a prospective person to have kids with. But um, it's obviously something that I want to learn about in the future. And I will say that their Instagram page is hilarious. (laughs) They do some pretty good memes
0: um, about their works.
1: So I yeah, I didn't get a chance to talk with them. because uh, it's two of them, right? I mean it's the total point. Yeah,
0: well Connor Boyack, he's the author, and then Elijah Stanfield is the illustrator.
1: Okay. So it's probably Elijah that I saw on the computer. If he was doing work.
0: artwork, it might have been Elijah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They were both sitting together though. So yeah, yeah that's cool. It's a small world.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, well, but, and he he's he's um Early on, he he built like the original Tom Woods website. I don't know if his if he still is over that. I don't think so, just because he's so busy with his his think tank and with the Tuttle twins. But he's been connected to like Tom Woods and some of these other guys. He built websites for him early on. That's that's what he originally did. He was a website guy before yeah. he got into the to the uh, policy think tanks side. But yeah,
1: yeah, good old Tom Woods was there as well. Yeah, uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, what was actually really funny is at the supporters summit, we had no idea. I don't even know how many people knew this. So it was at Jekyll Island where the <laughs> Fed was created. Um and it, so it I it started on Friday evening, and an event that started on Saturday was called the Red Pill Expo. Have you heard of that? It's uh it's a lot of libertarians there and they also walk a fine line with conspiracies. <laughs> <laughs> Like there's, there's no doubt about it. And so like Sunday, uh, there was no events happening for the supporters summit where I was driving out that day. And so I decided to stop by there and check it out and just walk around. It was it, like Robert Kiyosaki was talking at it.
0: Oh, uh, Robert Kiyosaki. Okay. Yeah. Rich dad, poor dad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he was talking at the event. There was a couple other, uh, names talking at the event, but I was looking around and I was like, Ooh, this is some pretty
0: do, like, you, do you remember? Do you remember what happened between him and Jeff Berwick a couple wow. years ago? No. Well, Robert. Can, can Robert we
1: go down to his event. Robert.
0: Um. No. I, they. I think they were just at an event together. I don't know if it was Freedom Fest or something, but and I don't know what year this happened. You can find these videos on YouTube, probably on Jeff Berwick's channel. But so Robert Kiyosaki's got really good rhetoric, you know, libertarian-based rhetoric, and he gets he gets right up to that line of anarchism. But yeah. he doesn't say he's an anarchist. Like he won't yeah. say it, and so Jeff Berwick like confronted him on this. Like, hey, you're right here. Why don't you call yourself an anarchist? And he like flipped out at him. Robert Kiyosaki like flipped out. Like, get away from me. You know, like he did not want to be associated with that word. Like it was his huge. It was a very big deal for him. Even though he's like right at that line. Yeah. So maybe he just has some strange association with something else in his head. But anyway, well, that's kind it's of like the idea of.
1: Um, uh, like the traditional Marxist anarchism, as opposed to like an anarcho-capitalism point of view. Uh, maybe, maybe that's, yeah, that's the only thing I could understand. And like, I bring that up because it, if you look up Libertas Bella, like we have the anarchy a in our logo, and it's red. And so, like, we we've had a few people ask us, like, are you Marxist anarchists or are you like anarcho-capitalists? And so, like, we've been having this like debate. I'm like, should we change it to black and yellow so people understand? <laughs> or
0: like... well, you know, something I did. So um my logo for the EVC. Yeah. It was the original V for voluntary that um somebody else made. And I, I originally had it, it was just the yellow and black. Yeah. And then I decided, you know, I was like, you know, I kind of want to be more inclusive. I have a friend, his name's Ian Ian Mays, that I've had a couple of times, and he's kind of, he kind of comes from that leftist anarchist side. He calls himself a, a post-left anarchist now. He likes the label voluntarist, but he's lived in like intentional communities and communes and, and like he's been involved in that sort of thing. So he kind of comes from that left anarchist side. And it was after kind of talking with him, he's been on the podcast a couple of times and he's got, um, I've syndicated some of the stuff he's written. He hasn't really written anything lately, but it was after that I was like, you know, I want to be more inclusive, and I kind of want to make this, you know, change this logo a little bit. So then I, I did the one, the the. So if you're if you're looking out from the logo, the left side yeah. is red and the right side is yellow, and in the middle it's gray for agorism. So I'm like, no matter what system you're right. in, if you don't like capitalism, and then you know the the agorist thing to do is to to do your your communism privately. And then vice versa, yeah. if you're in a communist system and you don't like that, then the agorist thing to do is to is to do black markets. And so it kind of yeah. goes both ways, depending on whatever the prevalent system is around you. Right. That's kind of what agorism is. So I was like, we'll stick this here in the middle. And I kind of made it my own. And so it's kind of been it's kind of been that ever since. So I'm like, you know, just why not both?
1: <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, that's not a bad. Yeah. I wonder if there's a way that, that's something that we're that's a good incorporation of it, I think. Yeah, we were trying to figure out if there's a way to like put yellow outlining around the word or something. It's just like we don't want people to think we're traditional. But and like if you click over to our blog or if even if you look at any of our designs, especially considering that we have collections around libertarianism, I think you can figure out pretty quickly (laughs) that we're not.
0: Well, and it it might be good keeping it red because then as you're, you know, as it's used elsewhere. People might think, oh, you know, this is, these are my people. And they'll come in and they'll see Friedman and Hayek and be like, huh, what's this about?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like trying to, although I will say, like, I think there's a lot of people, uh, my friend says this really well. He's like, if I'm in a debate with someone, it's usually, especially if they're on the very far left, he's like, And they keep just like arguing and not, you can tell they're not really listening. They're like, they already have their mind made up and there's no intention of changing their mind. He's like, he'll stop in the middle of it and be like, is there anything I can say that will make you? And if like the answer is no, then it's like, then what, like, why am I having this discussion with you? You've already had your mind made up. You're closed minded. You're not open to like other conversations or ideas or facts, um, which, which I find a lot of the times. I would say, especially with the, far left. But obviously it's true across the board. Um it just seems to be that the open-minded
0: tolerable left seems to also. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it interesting.
1: It, it was pretty funny. I was in Asheville, North Carolina this weekend, um just doing some hiking on the outskirts of it and you know, they have like this crazy good brewery scene. And so we I was walking around the brewery areas, kind of like looking at them and a lot of the The breweries, specifically, uh, one had a sign that said, everyone's welcome, unless you voted for Trump, you're this, you're (laughs) xenophobic, transphobic, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that list is huge. Obviously, everyone's not welcome. I was like, everyone's welcome that you agree with, is what you're trying to say.
0: (laughs) Well, that's funny, because if it said xenophobic, because xenophobia is like a fear of somebody else's culture. And if their culture is, you know, Trump, and you're not welcoming them, then you're kind of contradicting yourself. But
1: yeah I, know. yeah, I know that's what's so hilarious. It was like transphobic, xenophobic. I don't even like. There's so many phobic words these days that I can't keep up with them.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. So, uh, um, I was gonna say Ash- Asheville, North Carolina. That's that's the blue the Blue Ridge Liberty. I don't know if if they're still around. Um, somebody named Chase Rachel's. Is that name familiar to you? He no, he wrote a book not. called The Spontaneous Order that I have. I haven't really read through it just because it I don't know didn't really seem you know didn't really seem like I'd be getting much out of it. But I know that he um, he's a bit more on the Hopian um, you know anti open border side of anarcho capitalism than say a Larkin yeah. Roses. And I think he and Larkin Rose had like a a you know pretty heated back and forth about that. I think they did some recorded debates and stuff too.
1: was it uh justin stout you said
0: that sounds familiar it was it was uh chase rachel's i'm gonna search chase rachel's blue ridge liberty i don't know if it's a thing it was like a group i think he started called blue ridge liberty project or something that i'm not really seeing anything come up and
1: i I see blue ridge libertarian project in Asheville, north
0: carolina maybe yeah maybe that's it maybe maybe he's not involved with it anymore maybe he wasn't he wasn't originally um a founder i I just have him associated with it for some reason huh. Christopher uh, his name's Christopher Chase Rachels looks like he's debated Derek Bros he's debated Larkin Rose. he's just kind of on that hoppy side and I don't, I don't know how you are as far as like what the state should do about borders, but that's kind of where they differed, so they debated it and um is that uh,
1: who Derek Bros he debated that with or
0: no Larkin Rose
1: Larkin Rose okay
0: yeah Larkin. Larkin well, Rose is, was a bit more radical on it, that this, you know, that the state shouldn't, should not have anything to do with borders, even if, even if we think the state should be the caretaker of the property that it, you know, of, of our collective public property that it, you know, it victimizes us over. It doesn't follow that the state should then enforce borders, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's, that's just a, that was the point of the debate was about immigration.
1: Yeah. And that's online. If I um
0: you know, I don't know. Let's, let's do this. Just probably search just Chase Rachel's Larkin Rose. Yeah. Yeah, border um, debate. It's on YouTube. Larkin Rose versus Chase Rachel's border debate. Yeah, okay, cool. I see it here. That'd be interesting. The Daily Liberator even covered it. Um and there's a cool. Yeah. Yeah,
1: thanks for pointing me to that. I, I can go down rabbit holes like that Yeah. all yeah. day long. Well, but again, I think that's, and not to talk crap on it, I think that's like a good debate to have and it's very entertaining and worthwhile. But, uh, like what we're talking about at Libertas Bella, it's like, I don't necessarily, like, that's one of my new details where it's like, you guys can disagree with that. And, but I view that as like the 5%. It's like, first, let's just actually get office or first, let's actually start, um, implementing some of these rules. And for me, like, I believe, if the war on drugs was ended, that would solve a ton of problems across the United States. Um, cause then like just a lot less the prison industrial complex kind of gets, you know, trampled down. Um, and then you have less police brutality. You don't need as much. And so it's just to me, I would say a big focus for myself is like around the war on drugs. Um, well,
0: yeah, the, the reason we have no knock raids and qualified immunity and blah, blah, blah is because of yeah. the is because of the war on drugs that's that's the source of that exactly yeah
1: and it's just absolutely I, again i think like a lot of the stuff people see it's just so surface level man it's just you know we want to stop police brutality it's like okay cool how are you gonna do that get rid of and that a lot of people don't even look at qualified immunity they're just like cut the budget it's like they dig deeper into the problem and you'll see like why <laughs> like um, it's the war on drugs for a lot of this stuff.
0: Did you um, see, I don't know if you saw this, um, the Portland, I don't know if she's called a manager. I don't think she's a, called a mayor. Maybe she Portland mayor called police. So Portland was like, you know, one of those scenes in the last few months with the uh, black lives matter, right? Chaz and chop. <laughs> so, okay. So this is New York post. This was just in the last few days. It says Portland city commissioner who's pushing to defund the police called 911 over a lift ride. So I guess what? she was she was um <laughs> the lift driver. Okay, so I guess it, it started with an argument over the lift driver who didn't want to close his his window, right? So he's <laughs> driving her around and he's got his window open and maybe she's cold or something and he doesn't want to close it. So they get into an argument and then eventually he stops and is like get out of the car, you know, leave. And she refused to and then she calls 911. You know, it's like you're trying to defund the police and now now over this really stupid thing. You're trying to call the cops to come to come to your aid. Yeah. You know, anyway, I don't know if you saw that. It was pretty hilarious.
1: No, that's uh, I mean, that's oh, my gosh, that's sad, too, man. It's like, really? <laughs> Closing the window. I mean, and then the fact that she calls the cops over that <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, felt
0: felt entitled to finish the ride or something. and wanted the cops to come make him do it. I don't know.
1: Yeah. No. What, what would they even do in that? Like arrest you for what? <laughs> like-
0: no, I mean, I, my guess is she, if she is asked to leave and she doesn't, she's trespassing and hopefully they'd arrest her. <laughs> yeah. That seems like the yeah. story to me.
1: I'd be, I'd be curious to know what lifted about that. Um, cause I mean, if it's a mayor, I could see that guy getting losing that job real quick.
0: Oh, getting deactivated. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'll, you know, what do they say? All, all publicity is, is good publicity. So I don't know, maybe they refunded her or gave her, you know, a credit to use in the future. I, I don't know where or when it doesn't matter, but it's just stuff like that. I mean, these, a lot of these people are just such big hypocrites too. I mean, um, I was going to go somewhere else. I forget now. Um, I don't, I don't know why, I don't know where I was going. Don't you hate it when that happens?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah, it's funny. I feel like that plays the part department- It was like they had her phone number and they're like, we're just going to reroute this to a busy sign or
0: something. (laughs) Oh, okay. Here's here's what I wanted to say. It's not related. So you're going to be like, what are you talking about? So right now with with Donald Trump, probably officially not continuing on, you know, my understanding is all of his court cases are getting tossed for lack of evidence and blah, blah, blah. And I no doubt there was fraud. But, you know, apparently there's not a lot of evidence, at least not enough to to close his numbers of, of these, these contested areas of, and how much he lost by. So it's probably a nothing yeah. burger. But I don't really know what's going on on that side other than, you know, he's, he's trying to fight it. But my question is, and this is more of a prediction, let me ask you. So the call from people like Rand Paul and Justin Amash and these other, other people are like, okay, you're lame duck. Let's start to fire some people. And let's start to pardon some people. Do you think he'll do any of that? And do you think he'll come around to pardoning guys like Snowden and Assange and Ross Ulbrich?
1: Um, I, I personally don't think he will. I think he is going to make a lot of radical moves while he's in office for sure. Um, I don't like when it comes to like Assange, Snowden and Ross, um, I would love him to, obviously, yeah. right? Um, I think a lot of people would. It's the perfect time for him to. I just think it's very low on his priority in terms of like, you got to think kind of in like the 80-20 principle. I think he's just going to be like, what who what can I do um with 20% of my efforts that's really going to piss off the left? <laughs> and so I think that they're just going to be kind of low on the total bowl for him. Hopefully I'm wrong. Um, but I think he's just going to focus on people actually in office as opposed to some of these. Um because and at the same time, like if I were Snowden and I got um, you know, all the cases dismissed and whatnot pardoned, um, there's not a chance I would come back to the States. Not a chance I would trust it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the other thing, is like okay, you get an official presidential pardon, but that's for whatever specific charge you know you were charged with and obviously he hasn't even to my knowledge he hasn't even had his his quote day in court because he's been a, a fugitive all this time yeah. so i don't even know what you would be pardoning really i don't know how that works with with cases that haven't even been tried yet um
1: and i feel like it's just i mean there's a book called five felonies a day Have you had
0: i've yeah. seen that yeah, yeah I, feel,
1: I feel like that would just be a perfect thing where like, cool he gets pardoned, and come comes back to the state and it's like all right, we found a felony on you.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, look look what they did to Cody Wilson. I don't. You probably know that story, yeah. being with Ammo. Yeah, yeah. I mean that was that was a totally. I mean, it was eventually just pled down or whatever, and I don't even think he served any jail time. But it was it was totally one of those things where it's like, let's dig in deep, find yep. something here, and then let's go after him, even if it has nothing to do with what he's doing. Let's just get rid of this guy.
1: Yep. Exactly. And then you denounce his entire project.
0: Which which yeah. has only exploded since then, and other, other companies have, have started <laughs> up. So you can't. I mean, it's, it's the same with Ross Ulbrich. You know, you got they got rid of Silk Road, and then a thousand Silk Roads bloomed. You know, it's just exactly. you, you get one of one cartel guy, and then a bunch. You know, a bunch more happens. It's it's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, it's uh the the government doesn't seem to learn from its own lessons, which is a big reason why I don't hate them. There's never like let's implement this law, let's see what happens, and then evaluate the results like a private business. You know. Let's implement this. Is it profitable? No. Retract it. Is it profitable? Yes. Scale it. And so it's like there's none of that with the government. So it's just like, did the law work? No. More funding. Right, another law. <laughs> more funding. <laughs> yeah. 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 It right, needs more money. Or we just need another law in the books. So um, that's, a, that's a big problem with the government, in my opinion, as well. It's, it's never like a, like a quality assessment afterwards of did this work or not. And can we revert back or do we just, we just keep pushing forward. We just want to grow and grow and grow. So,
0: yeah. uh, Well, all right, man, I've kept you long enough. I'll let you go. Thank you so much for coming on is besides ammo.com and and libertasbella.com, which I'll link to. Is there any other, anything else you want to plug?
1: No, man, I'd say that's it. Just, uh, if you can show libertasbella some love, uh, ammo.com is pretty Uh, I mean, ammo sales have been crazy since COVID and then the election. So apologies to everybody who goes and checks our site and sees that we don't have a ton in stock. It's just hard to keep stuff in stock right now. Yeah, Um, that's good. But if you're looking for apparel, all that good stuff, Libertas Bella, we also like blog.libertasbella.com. We're starting to build out on that. We actually just did a bunch on um, electoral and election fraud, which has kind of taken off quite a bit. And I think a lot of people will like reading those, but you know, we'll, we'll be covering a lot more kind of like arrow.com is more ammunition centric. Libertad is going to be a lot more kind of libertarian theme, and agorist. And, you know, talking about some of these terms that we want to discuss, but like we can't write about on arrow.com because it's like, yeah that's kind of too far off in some in some instances. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's it, man. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Thanks so much. Have a good day. Hey, you too. See you, Skyler.
0: Please send your comments and questions to everythingvoluntary at gmail.com. Please consider supporting this podcast in everythingvoluntary.com by setting up an automatic monthly donation at patreon.com forward slash EBC. One-time donations are also accepted at paypal.me forward slash everythingvoluntary. Will you do us a big favor? Will you rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening from? That really helps. And one more thing, please share the podcast with your friends. We really appreciate it.